You're listening to a podcast by the Center for Action and Contemplation. To learn more, visit cac.org. Hey, everyone. I'm Jackie Lewis. Welcome to the third season of Love, Period. In this season, we're exploring what fierce love looks like in a time of trauma, when all around the globe, folks are trying to figure out how to be the best version of human they can be in these difficult and traumatic times. Today on Love Period, my guest is the Reverend Dr. Serene Jones. She is an author, an activist, and happens to be the president of Union Theological Seminary. Serene is always deep, quiet, thoughtful. And this time we talked about trauma. How do we name it? How are we aware of it? What can we do about it in these traumatic times? I think this is a much-needed conversation for times like these. And I hope you enjoy this episode. Serene Jones, my friend, how are you? Oh, I'm so good. I'm especially good because I'm talking with you, Jackie Lewis, today. It's been too long. It has been. It has been too long. COVID long, right? Too COVID long. Too life long. Too, too much. How are you today? How's it going? I'm going really good today. Well, I was looking at the Serene Jones Corpus on Trauma the other day. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be preaching. Um, as we air this, it'll be... Um, Festival of Homiletics in Denver uh, next week. And I was oh, sourcing you. Are, that's right. Are you on video or are you coming? I'm on video. What are you preaching about? So I can just steal your notes. What are you doing? It has to do with trauma beyond words. Ooh. How do you speak to trauma that you can't speak about? Ooh, unspeakable. Because, because it exists in a realm that we're not even always conscious of. This is your cup of tea. I remember that... I remember reading your book when your first book on trauma when it first came out. And I remember we did your Call It Grace opening a couple of years ago at Union. And I'm fascinated that the Festival of Homiletics is saying preaching in times of trauma. Let's just dive into how you and I would exegete these times. Like what in the world is going on that is both the things we can speak about, Serene, and the things that feel unspeakable? What do you see from where you are as president up at Union Seminary? What do you see? Well, there's so much I see and so much that I feel mm -hmm. uh, and don't have the words for. I have a wonderful um, doctor that I see who's a medical doctor, but also very holistic into all different kinds of understandings of what health is. And um, I was talking to her the other day and she said to me, Serene, we're at a moment in time where none of us are well. Hmm. None of us are well. And only some of us know that. Ooh, wow. And if I were to exegete that statement, I would say in the... Um, hopefully waning days of COVID, um, as we know often happens with uh, traumatic events, um, when you're in the middle of them, it's very hard to process or even understand what, hap what has happened or is happening. But as the intensity of the trauma begins to um, dissipate, it becomes more and more 
obvious to you uh, what you've been through and in ways that we can talk about and in ways that I think we still have to, haven't even scratched the surface of processing what COVID has done um, to our understanding of the world in which we find ourselves and our relationships to one another and what community is and what we mean by life and death and who suffers and who suffers more and who suffers less and why. Mm-hmm. And at the same time that, that we are uh, disoriented by trauma, the force of our national and global reckoning with the generations of, of violence at the intersection of race and class and gender and disability, you add on top of that a sense of real impending catastrophe with respect to what's happening to our climate. And then we see across the globe um, the rise of patriarchal fascist governments. So everywhere you turn, nothing is what we had come to think it was. And we don't have new categories for what's happening globally and in our own individual lives. And finding language to talk about that um, and to even name it is a huge challenge. I agree with that. You and I are both going to be preaching at that festival of homiletics, and I was sourcing myself with some of your writing on trauma. And I thought to myself, you know, some of my friends are therapists, and and you know my my PhDs in psych and religion, do we know what trauma is? Like, could you, Serene, with your all your hats, give us a kind of good working definition so people who think we they know what we're talking about can go, oh, yeah, that's, that's what it is. How would you define it? Well, I still take as my starting point um, the sort of classic clinical slash trauma theory definition. And a, a traumatic event is an event in which a person or persons undergo an overwhelming experience of violence in which they feel that they are threatened with annihilation hmm. and against which they are helpless to resist. That's super helpful. Can I say back those key words? Yeah threatened with violence that feels like they're going to be annihilated, cease to exist, and there's a feeling of helplessness that they can't resist. And I I would add the word that comes right at the beginning that's so important, that word overwhelming. Overwhelming, yeah. Because traumatic events are overwhelming insofar as most often they exceed our capacity to manage or understand or process them as they're happening. So they overwhelm us quite literally. And so there's a lot of talk right now about these traumatic times. And for you, Serene, as a woman, a mother, a professional person, a teacher, a theologian, what overwhelms you? Where are you finding yourself most overwhelmed right now? three things most profoundly in terms of what overwhelms me. First of all, I'm just overwhelmed by the magnitude of suffering in our world and its injustices. It's just, it's so present. I'm also overwhelmed by 
the simultaneous surprising goodness of people, hmm. and yet this sort of a sense of, of horror at what people are capable of. Hmm. Yeah. And then the last thing that overwhelms me the most is I feel on a day-to-day basis, I feel exhausted. I often feel confused. I'm forgetting words for things. I am dealing, you know, all the time with people who are themselves out of sorts. And I don't even understand what's happening to me, much less what's happening to people around me Hmm. with this just feeling of dis-ease and disorientation. Uh, so honest and vulnerable, that last piece there. Did you get COVID over the COVID time? Yes, I had it in the, uh, in around Thanksgiving, and I didn't have a, a very bad case. And I haven't had it since, so I made it through all these other versions without it. But I've had family members, many family members and friends. Um, Be sick. I asked you that question to me because it's, it's my hard question, you know, for me. I too feel overwhelmed in ways that I don't, like, I don't walk around in the world like, hi, I'm Jackie, and I feel overwhelmed. You know, I'm not in that support group usually. I think I'm like, I can do this, and I got this, and I understand this. But I, I do feel waves of, you know, like, like the key words that you said, you know, I, I feel waves of violence and threat and the sense of there there could be a way in which I might not make it through. I who feel strong and gifted and resilient and whatever, I, I also feel like the forces, Serena, are huge, like a tsunami is what's in my mind. You know, from the fire, from the fire forward. I mean, COVID happened and we, we shut down in March of 2020. It's interesting to live in the same city and not get to see each other, right? But like we shut down the church in March of 2020, like March 15th or something, and we felt really like we were being loving and maybe ahead of a curve of like, we are not going to do this. And then this fire happened in December. Yeah. And I, it is the fire that keeps on burning, Serene. If I'm honest, it never, it has not stopped burning. The neighbor where the fire originated has been difficult in ways it is just so shocking to imagine that a fire started in their building and then they just like have been unkind and unhelpful and weird. It wasn't like arson, but it was, you know, an accident that, that they caused, not us, and we're out of a church. The fire, that are some decisions that happened in the collegiate church that made financial stuff just really difficult, and we're kind of living with that. Uh, and the fire of the, you know, the racism, the fire of the violence— against blacks and Asians and trans. It's just like, who are we? What is happening? And when someone says, you know, this is not who we are, it's like, okay, yes, we, yes, it is, but it doesn't mean it's not shocking and hurtful. And I do find myself thinking, you know, what's the process for just screaming, crying, grieving, and feeling all the feels? And then how do we resource each other, friend, to get through this? time that almost feels like it's not designed for us to get through. I don't feel a lack of hope, but I do feel worry in ways that I haven't in the past. Do you feel that way? Does that happen to you too? Yes. No, I, I don't feel it constantly. Like I can have, you know, parts of the day where the old energy and optimism comes back, but it's, you know, waking up in the morning and thinking, oh, you know, 
another day of this very hard work. And like, I, I find myself asking the question, can I do this? Mm-hmm. Can I do this? Do I have the resources to keep doing this? Um, and that's not something that I've spent my life asking myself at every turn. You know, I just would jump out of bed and start doing it, even if I didn't know what I was doing. I knew my could said, let's go. Now I actually know more about what I'm doing and, and I'm feeling overwhelmed by it. And it is that sense, as you say, of just the waves of, of violence and threat. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, I still think of it as this, the unconscious disorientation of having how all of us have lived our lives turned inside out for two years. I love that unconscious disorientation. Yeah. And that can't help but have, you know, knocked off some of the anchors of our unconscious life until, and so they're swirling around um, in confusion and manifesting themselves within us, but we don't even know how to pull them up and talk about what's happened. Um, But I do find when it comes to managing all this, just making the uh, acknowledgement that it's hard and confusing. Uh, these are very difficult times. And that's a huge first step because I find that people who at least take time to acknowledge that are less likely to act out on other people, their own confusion, and come after people and scapegoat other people and Mm -hmm. try to project that onto other bodies um, rather than recognizing this is what's happening inside of you and um, you know claim it and work with it Um, and even if you can't fix it at least hold it as what's happening that feels like grace you know I think uh, about your writing there, but also experientially, it feels like a gift. Let's just use the word grace as a caress, right? It feels like a gift if we could give it to ourselves to say, you know, this sucks, or I'm frightened, or I'm confused, or I'm angry, or I'm lost, or will you help me? There's something about the vulnerability and the truth that I think, as you say, And I totally agree. You know, it feels to me that if we had better language for or patterns for permission to own the stuff, there would be less acting out. There would be, you know, some some leader might say, I am really, could y'all, I need five people to come in this room and give me your best ideas. I have no idea what to do. Right? Some Somebody who is going to make a decision about somebody's livelihood a policy decision, an appointment, a a performance review. I don't know. Pick all the things. Deal with somebody on the subway. Like the moment of we could have a conflict on the subway. (laughs) Freeze. (laughs) Hang on. (laughs) Let me pay attention to the people inside me. Internal family system. Okay. There's pissed child. Can you come over here? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Kind mama. Show up. Okay, ready? Go, go. Talk it out before you punch somebody. Yeah. If we could just be in tact, like tactile relationship, in touch with the spaces in us that are in operation and slow down and breathe through the first response. Would it be softer out there, Serene? 
Yeah, well, it would be softer because we would not be inflicting as much harm on each other, which then just escalates the, the experiences of violence. So, um, and that doesn't solve anything. It just escalates and adds more to what's inside of you. And now you've added it to someone else and someone else and someone else. I do think that uh, grace is an absolutely precious reality in the midst of all of this because so for me grace is the profound knowledge that the world and all of its people and each one of us and me serene jones is held in infinite love by the divine Mm -hmm. and i don't have to do anything to earn that and nothing can take it away it just is it's a gift that is that is constantly surrounding me and coming to me And reminding yourself of that at least lifts off your shoulders the burden of feeling like somehow in the midst of all of this, you have to work really hard to save yourself or prove yourself Mm -hmm. or rescue yourself or do, you know, get overly obsessed with you have to do the right thing and not do the wrong thing. When your starting point is, we're all loved, period. Uh, it takes the anxiety out of, and it de-ultimatizes this whole flurry of feelings inside that are so conflicted. I love de-ultimatizes. Yeah, yeah. de-ultimatizes. <laughs> I love that, de-ultimatizes. That's cool. It's a good word. You know, um, your definition of grace really resonates with my whole, you know, first love, this book I wrote. I think I was working on the book when we did your book. Yes. And I finally finished it in November. But it's true, Serene, right? If we, and you said love, period. Um, we are loved, period. Uh, you know, I have found myself finally at my age, and we're the same age, as I recall, at our age, getting to this place where what is ultimate for me is God is love. Mm-hmm. You know, Period. God is love, period. And my calling from the God who is love is to love that God with everything I can and love my neighbor as myself, period. Love, period. Everything else is commentary. And I I do think, I 100% co-sign, if we started with, we are lying in a sea of, floating in a bathtub of, pick your metaphor, (laughs) on the massage table of, (laughs) (laughs) toes in the grape bin, I don't know. Love so divine. Love so amazing. Love so, how did Jim Loder say, uh, love that is the non-possessive delight of the unique particularity of the other. Yeah. Including you, right? Including Serene and Jackie. Right. If this is the starting point, imagine, we live, I think, in a world where Some people actually have taken seriously, I'm going to love my neighbor as myself, but since I hate myself, since I am so full of shame and self-loathing, that's what my neighbor gets. And so if we started with, you are loved by a love you can't imagine. Imagine the lack of competition Imagine the generosity. You do. You can. You wrote it. Imagine the collaboration. Imagine the sharing of resources. Imagine the celebration of the weirdo, because the weirdo is so much joy to be with, because 
That's a part of what God did. I mean, what? Instead, we are just run amok (laughs) by buttheads who don't love themselves at all, who don't think they're loved, and they're in charge, Serene. Yeah, I know. They're running things. Honey, big time. (laughs) Oh, oh. Big time. Oh, oh. I know. And just, and you think about not loving yourself the enormous amount, or feeling shame, or having to prove yourself, the enormous amount of anxiety that produces, and the amount of energy in the course of the day you have to expend to manage that anxiety so it doesn't just fail you completely. Imagine if that energy was released for positive. Absolutely. Just released for positive in the world. Positive realities, positive lovings. Curiosity. Yes, curious, wonder, joy. Yeah. Or even sorrow, released for true, deep grief and sorrow. Yeah. Is there life after doom? Explore the complexity of hope and grief at our upcoming event, Courage and Resilience an online gathering with Brian McLaren. Unpack themes from Brian McLaren's new book, Life After Doom. Discover how to find courage, even when everything may feel hopeless. Join us live on May 17th at 10 a.m. Pacific time. All those who register will have access to the recorded replay for one year. Register at cac.org courage. So I'm not this person, for sure. That I'm getting ready to say. I'm getting ready to say some stuff that's not really where I live, but I'm going to test it anyway. <laughs> like, I honestly, please God forgive me if I'm wrong, but I, I did, as I was growing up, to have this grown-up relationship with a grown-up God. Honestly, Serene, I let go a little bit of God knows everything and God does everything so I could stay in love with God. Seriously? Like, if God, if God was knowing all the things... And doing all the things, and then I was a little pissed at God. <laughs> like, what's going yes, on with you? lots of reason to be like, pissed at God. I'm not, I'm not happy with that God. But I kind of adjusted my lens on God to be kind of a, a softer, more partnery. You know, sometimes God is a black mama with big breasts and just holding me tight, and I can smell the ultra sheen. I'm sure that's my projection on my mom. But for sure— a God image shift that made me stay in love with God that included vulnerability from God, if I'm in God's image. And also, I don't know from God. And also, let's try it together from God. Anybody, this is where I'm not at, but I'm going to say it. You know, somebody might want to say, God, let this trauma happen, all this junk happen, so we would hit bottom and get better. Now, I'm not saying I agree with that, because I don't think God's like that, everybody listening. But it did happen. We actually have hit a certain kind of bottom, most likely at our own doing, Serene. Yeah, so we did it to ourselves. Right? We did it. Here we are. Like, we just—the environment is sucking. The fires are burning. The polarized cables are melting. People don't have any money. We unleashed viruses. Mm -hmm that are going to do us in. Can there be redemption in the something of it, friend? Can there be grace? Can there be recovery? Can there be healing because we're at bottom? Can we 
Is there anything theological or philosophical that you would want to say about that rising up? Just a word about the first part of what you said about letting go of the God who like is all knowing and all doing. Um, You think that, that like, where did we ever, that was made up by some Greeks and some Romans a long time ago (laughs) that, that to be God means to know everything and do everything. It's like that, that's not an indigenous part of Christian faith, but what is really deeply embedded is that God is, is the source of all that is and and is surrounding and present in all that is. Uh, it's, it goes back to the notion of grace. God is love. God is, is in the midst of vulnerable to, tied up in, intermingled with, running through the very breath that we breathe and the light that we feel on our faces and the ground beneath our feet and our, the love that flows between us. And that's how I've come to think about God. I often think about, feel closest in just when I'm standing barefoot on dirty ground, you know, mm-hmm. out in, in the world. We have hit bottom. And I think what we need is so radically different that it's almost beyond our imagination at this point. It's, it's going to have to emerge from us in a sort of, um, embodied, emotional, um, unknowing way that will be the way that we begin to try to become in love. But it's very hard to imagine what you don't know how to imagine. Amen, sister. <laughs> Profound thing to say. No, no, it's real. <laughs> and also, you know, I think about Brian Blunt. When he was my professor, he would talk about pockets of resistance, you know, and I, I loved that. It, it made me think about, you know, the, just the in-breaking moment of time. We go, oh, that's, yeah, that's what it looks like. That right there is a glimmer. So where, where, where are glimmers? Um, I told a story in another conversation, and I'm going to tell it another piece of this. These grandchildren of mine that are, you know, two and four— are these magical creatures who I could preach about them every Sunday. I mean, there is some kind of, like, new humanity that I see in these little ones, Serene, that makes me just cry and laugh. They're just so crazy and fun and wonderful and delicious. And I would say, love you parents, but sometimes they seem feral because their parents are just like, show us who you are. Oh, my God, Serene, with such patience. You know, when we were little kids, you know, they leap and they jump and they crawl and they ping and pong. And my mother would have been like, girl, sit down someplace. You know, they just are always being invited by their folks and therefore by grandparents because we're, we're doing the same play to be, you know, to be who they are. So Sunday morning, you know, we're doing Nana at Grandmother Moment for a minute. And they've made me these, you know, crazy things that kill kids make. You're like, what is that? I don't know what that is. But when I open up one of the presents, I say, now what, now what is this one? And mommy says, that's for your office. And I say, for my office? Wow, it's so pretty. Who made it? Little girl raises her hand. I'm like, oh, that's so cute. And I put it on my, I say, can I put it in my office? And they go, Yes. And because she's screaming, the little brother's yelling, yes. And they're like roaring at me. Yes. In this video. And then I put it on my neck and I say, or is this a necklace for Nana? And they go, no. You know. And so what am I pulling to exegete in this moment about that? 
the kind of naked truth of their little peopleness. I'm scared. I'm sad. I'm mad. I'm crying. I'm laughing. Could we regress to naked truth? Oh my God, Serene. What if we could just be honest with each other? Imagine. It's hard to imagine, but you have an example of it. You know, I, you asked me where I see glimmers. The first thing that come to mind is so interesting with the two of us is, is the, the other end of life. Um, my father, uh, who was a, a theologian and scholar and theological education seminary leader who was a, in his own way a force of nature, very articulate philosopher, theologian. He's now in his second year in uh, hospice in Oklahoma City. Oh, wow. And hmm. uh, for, a, for a, a person of action and thought and someone who was always just trying to fix things and be the leader and um, take care of everybody, after about a year, his first year in hospice, which was hard for him, he went through this process uh, that you, you knew it was happening internally, but it, you couldn't see it externally. But, and I didn't see it happen every day because I could only visit him once every six weeks or so. But he's now in a place where, and I've never had this experience over an extended period of time with a person, is that he is so accepting of death. Hmm. He's ready to die, but he's not trying to die. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He only expresses love towards the people around him and tells me over and over again, along with my sisters, how much he loves us and how proud he is of us and wants to hear us tell stories about what we're doing. And the change in his face, it's like as he came to accept death, it's like years of weight, of worry, of having to control things just you know, lifted off his face. And he now spends um, a large part of his day uh, either remembering playing basketball as a elementary school kid in his neighborhood in Oklahoma City or uh, watching monster trucks on TV because it's like big enough for him to see because his vision's <laughs> not too good. But to be around someone who has no fear of death is just an incredible experience and only feelings of love and contentment and acceptance of whatever is to come. Hmm. Wow. That's a very much a glimmer of hope of, of, of the possibilities of new humanity if we were not so afraid. Wow. So we've built a couple of things out there. For the, for the article we'll write together. <laughs> Something about naked, I'm going to call it fierce truth. Yeah, and naked and unafraid. And afraid. Naked and unafraid <laughs> by Serena Jaggi. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's right. Um, my dad is 87. And, you know, we, we lost our mom five years ago. And, wow, Serene, her eight-year cancer journey changed him. But he is the softest version of himself. I cannot believe. 
I talked to him the other day. He called me for Mother's Day, and I didn't get to talk to him because I was bipping around with those grandkids. And he goes, I just wanted you to know I love you, and I just miss you when we don't talk. I'm like, what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Dad, this is this? so cool. <laughs> I just, I just miss you when we don't talk. Okay, he who read my book cover to cover, including the stories Jackie tells. That's the next book. The stories Jackie tells in the book. Uh, you know, he's yeah. just, he's just softer. So what is he? I think he's like your dad, kind of ready for whatever's next. And nothing left to coming back to grace, with nothing left to prove, nothing left to earn. Um, only a sense of giving love. And I think it's such a blessing. Like, I think it's a blessing to be present either through giving birth yourself or, or seeing a birth to the coming into life. And the whole parenting thing, especially in those early years, how arduous it is, but how glorious. It's also an, an enormously miraculous experience to watch someone age and die well, die well. Like this is how we can die, Yep. Um, age and die, yep. you know? I think that's right. I love that you said that. This is a weird feeling I had when my mother was dying that she was plugging me into something in her that was birthing me some more. Like the way she was dying was also like generous. Your dad, tell me some stories, you know, like... Uh, and so I've I've felt birthed more, not birthed again, but pushed further out of her womb into the world. You know, I'm always sassy and feisty. You know this about me. I have been the fiercest, feistiest, sassiest Jackie in the last five years. I was like, Mommy, I don't know <laughs> if that was a good idea what you did there. But, uh, well, it is true that you know, being around my father, I think it's also just getting older, um, is that I have less and less capacity not to say what I think and not to be honest, which doesn't mean, you know, in a, in a brutal or awful way, but I'm just clearer about not having time to mess around with anything but the things that matter. And that means, you know, getting to the point and talking about true things and trying to perform less and mm -hmm. be present more, mm -hmm. which is a great space to be in. It is, isn't it? Oh, I love oh it. Gosh. Let us, that, that goes in the article too, how to be our age. Yes. <laughs> um, so, so, Serene, you know, I wanted you to come today because I, I think of you as this theologian and kind of social analyst of these of these. Poles, it could feel like, you know, trauma, grace. But actually, it's one space, right? It's one space. And I wonder if just as we wrap, you would say a thing to the listeners that would feel almost serene, like from you, you know, a benediction, a blessing, a, a takeaway. Here's what it is, guys, that can get us through these moments. What would you say? Oh, I would say to everyone... May you find deep and rejuvenating rest. May your breath calm, your mind slow down, your muscles untense. And in that rest, may you experience 
the glory of the unconditional beauty and love of just you in your body. May you feel it completely in your body. And may it enwrap your arms and legs and torso and head and toes and fingers. And that's grace. And as that wraps around you, may it give you the strength that it takes to face these days with grace. Thank you, Serene. I'll co-sign by adding because you are loved like you can't believe. Yeah. Yeah. Because you are loved. Because you are loved. Loved. Yeah. Serene Jones, uh, you know, president, theologian, mom, friend, scholar, wisdom. Thank you so much for coming today. I appreciate you. Oh, thank you for the conversation, Jackie, and thank you for all you do and all the love you are. Thank you for listening today. Before I ever met Serene, I was reading her work on trauma. I'm grateful for the way she normalizes this quite ubiquitous experience. Sitting and talking with Serene Jones about trauma was sort of like having a deep talk with a girlfriend about where it hurts. As you process your experience over these last few years, how can that transform and manifest in how you show up in the world?